0: Hello and welcome to the Brady Bros Boston Sports Podcast, where we cover everything in the Boston sports world. My name is James Brady, and alongside me is my brother Nicholas.
1: Hello everyone, today is Thursday, November 22nd. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening. That's when we're recording this, believe it or not. Today is episode number six, and this is going to kind of be a little like a depressing episode, I guess. Bruins and Celtics are really the only ones playing now, and they're not doing too great. So,
0: And we will start, as we always do, with the Boston Red Sox. And uh, kind of an update on something we touched on last week is that Stephen Pierce re-signed to a one-year $6.5 million contract saying that, quote, it was the place he wanted to be. It was a no-brainer, and I'm glad to see him back.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are. You can't just have a World Series MVP and then be like, all right, see ya. Yeah, like great job. No, I'm glad to see him back for a year. I think the short contract is a smart, smart idea. Like we talked about, he is getting up there in age, but he'll be there next year. He Look will be there to next watching year. Watching him play,
0: and I think he's a good backup for Mitch Moreland because we saw Mitch Moreland dealing with a lot of injuries, especially in the postseason. So having Steve Pierce is a insanely reliable and obviously MVP World Series MVP caliber player on the team to back up a Gold Glover at first base. We're doing pretty well, and just to get him back, excited, because uh, he was one of the players we talked about last week, wanting to see him back this year, and we will.
1: Yeah, no other free agency news thus far. We're still waiting on Joe Kelly and Nathan Eovaldi to make decisions. They're kind of the big ones, along with Ian Kinsler as well. We touched on this again with Brock Holt and Dustin Pedroia coming back, hopefully, to somewhat near 100%. Uh, Ian Kinsler isn't as needed or as necessary, I guess, as other players.
0: Yeah, I would say most of my concerns lie in the pitching. So getting...
1: Uh, Joe Kelly and Evaldi back would be pretty big. Yeah. So some exciting news coming out of the MLB this week. The Red Sox and Yankees will actually be playing two regular season games in London uh, this coming season, June 29th and 30th. Uh, these are the first regular season MLB games to be played in Europe. I don't didn't know that any postseason had, but that's just what the article the MLB release said. So we have that to look forward to. They will play in the London Stadium that was used for the 2012 Olympic Games. And the Red Sox will actually get to serve as the home team for the two games. So
0: Well, that's good. We'll finally get to play in a normal size stadium against the Yankees instead of playing in whatever little league stadium they play in now. And uh
1: Well, I was just gonna I was gonna ask you what do you think about the you see a lot of this now with the more like American sports, especially in football, I guess. Uh the like the outreach programs trying to get to other countries other continents even yeah. to play games so we've seen it in football we've seen games in london we saw a game last year in mexico city that's type of thing uh what do you think about extending america's pastime if you will to uh across the pond
0: i think it's cool i'm a i'm a big fan of them just trying to kind of grow the audience especially in baseball as a sport i'd say has probably fallen off a little bit in the past uh it's viewership at least where People are watching, you know, different sports. Not as much baseball as they were. I think it's always cool to get uh, more people involved with the sport, and especially just going somewhere else, getting them to see, getting to see them play somewhere else. And like we talked about, we've seen games in London and Mexico for football. We've seen games in China for hockey. So I think it's really cool just to see these teams go to completely different parts of the world and and just do what they do.
1: Also in the article. Um... The head person, whoever was, I forget who it was, heading the like the London side of things, if you will, uh, he said a lot of people are actually very excited to see this, and I think he even mentioned that the stadium will likely be sold out. So that is something to look forward to come June of next year.
0: And I think especially to bring over a rivalry like the Red Sox versus Yankees, uh, there's, there's really no better way to get into the sport. Feeling feeling the intense competition between these two teams will really, I think, get people intrigued. And uh, if the Red Sox can do anything like they've done the Yankees this past season, then uh, they'll be in for a bit of a show.
1: Yep. Uh, they're also scheduling two other games, I believe, in 2020, but the teams for those have not been announced yet. So you can look for that coming in the future. Uh, let's switch gears here, I guess, and talk about the Boston Celtics. So... We recorded last Thursday, so it's three weeks in a row now. We're doing great. We're on a roll. Uh, so they played the following day, Friday. That was the 16th, and they played they, a great game. One in OT versus Toronto, one of the top teams in the East, or the top team in the East, actually, as of right now. Kyrie went off in the fourth quarter in overtime, scoring a season-high 43 points. He contributed to every basket scored in overtime, either making the basket himself, assisting. So he really stepped it up that game. And then the slide.
0: I was just going to quickly say that Friday, that game was probably the best game the Celtics have played all season.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they kind of showed Toronto that, hey, we're not going to just lie down. You did beat us right off the bat, but we're here. We're ready to compete, that type of thing. But then they go and they lose three straight games to not great teams.
0: Yeah, you said that all these teams are 500 or below. At the
1: time we played them, yes, the Hornets are now above 500 with last night's win. But the Jazz are a couple games below 500. We lost to them the following day by a lot, if I remember correctly, 15 points or something. Then Monday, after Kemba, who dropped a career high, comes back and drops 43 on us. So, couldn't shut that down. The thing that really makes me mad is these games, well, not the Utah game, but... um, Monday night's game and last night's game, they ended up losing to the Knicks at home. Um, the Knicks and the Hornets, they were close at the end. I yeah. think the Celtics just like playing from behind for some reason. They don't jump out to that early lead. They, the Celtics outscore the Knicks by 15 points, I think, or something in the fourth quarter like that, 10 or 15 if I remember correctly. So, like, they just they just turn it up, but it's not enough. Like, they're not giving themselves enough time. And even with the, uh, the OT game, like... They just got to come out, and they need they need the game to be over by the fourth quarter. That's where you want to play your subs for another five minutes, get the second, get the third line in there, and lock down the game.
0: Yeah, the Hornets was a close game pretty much all the way throughout, and then Kemba Walker just showed up, and they really pulled away in the last minutes of the fourth quarter, but the Knicks game, they were down 15 or so points at half, and then were just fighting their way back the entire rest of the game, and... When you're already starting at such a deficit, it's really hard, especially in basketball, to make up all that lost ground in just a couple of minutes. And it hasn't worked out well for the Celtics this year. They've been able to do it in the past. Last year, they had a lot of come-from-behind victories. But I think this year, they're really struggling to make those final few steps and come all the way back.
1: I think it's really upsetting to see you not being able to beat a team like the New York Knicks, especially in the Garden. I mean, you've got the crowd on your side. They want to see it happen. Like, if you come out to an early lead, you've got the crowd in the game that factors in a lot. But if you're playing from behind, and especially the way the season has gone thus far with now the Celtics sitting at 9-9, nine and nine, so 500, it's I think it's hard for the fans to watch them perform like this. You go at home and you lose to the Knicks by a decent amount. Well, you trail by a decent amount throughout the game. They only lost by 7 points, 8 points, I think. But, I mean, you got to get the crowd in the game, and that's just not going to happen if you're playing from behind the entire game.
0: Yeah, and I, I just think of the the one Celtics game I've been to that we we actually both went to, how probably influential the crowd was in that game, how the Celtics were down five, six, seven points at the end of the game. The crowd never lost hope, kept going crazy for anything that the Celtics did, and how much that factors into them being able to just really appreciate that home crowd and use that home home court advantage to their advantage i think is a massive thing and i i can't think of how disappointed i would be as a celtics fan right now going to watch a game like that and and losing to the knicks
1: especially with the amount of talent on this team i've been we've been talking about it for a while now they just need to find a way to put it together i hear a lot of people saying on twitter and even in person Because I go to school in Boston, so everyone's talking like, oh, did you watch the Celtics last night, that type of thing. People are saying we need trades. People are saying it's time to panic. And no, I don't think that yet. If you don't think that, if you don't have your faith in Brad Stevens that he's going to put it together by the end of this year and have this group clicking like they are, you got to remember, this is their 18th game playing all together, their 18th regular season game. This is a very different group than we saw in the playoffs. Like, that team that clicked so well in the playoffs, you added two superstars to that team. It's just going to take some time. And I think a lot of guys aren't stepping up to what they did last year, but I think they're still just trying to figure it out. And yes, it's frustrating right now, but I think going forward, um, I mean, this week should have been a little bit of that, playing some weaker teams, but I think I really do think going forward they are going to put it together. I have faith still.
0: I do, too. And I think, like you said, it. I don't see it as, as a reason to panic yet. We're still... Up there in the East, I think given the division we have, it's not too hard to get into the playoffs if this team just starts playing
1: decent basketball. No, you can be 500 in the East and make the playoffs.
0: Moving forward, though, we do have the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow, Friday, the, uh, the 23rd of November. Once again, not a great team. I'm really hoping the Celtics can just show up, play their game, get a win, settle in a little bit, get off the losing streak.
1: Moving past the Hawks, they do have Dallas on Saturday. Yes, Saturday. Saturday. They have the New Orleans Pelicans on Monday, so that's a bit of a stronger team. But then they have the Cleveland Cavaliers on Friday. So three out of those four games are a lock for me. Atlanta, Dallas, and Cleveland, you should you should be decimating those teams. New Orleans, I can expect a little bit of a fight with Anthony Davis and how well they're doing and everything. But they've really got to turn around. you got to win... If you want to play, if you want to get up there in the standings, you got to win the hard games, but you also got to win the easy games. Like, you got to beat the teams you know you should beat.
0: And I do think in the sport of basketball is probably the, the sport I'd say the most. Like, teams that really shouldn't win can grab a game. You can win one game kind of out of the blue, the, the you know, team's off. But a the, the team as good on paper as the Celtics are should not be losing three, four in a row to these decent 500 teams. And I think. What comes up now is that if we get to the end of the season, that some of this poor performance in the beginning might kind of plague them later on.
1: Yeah, so I think people have been talking about maybe some guys who haven't been producing as much. I think a lot of that has fallen on Jalen Brown, especially how he performed at the end of last season. This season, still not stepping up, only averaging 11 points, uh, 4 rebounds, and an assist per game. But Gordon Hayward also only averaging 10 points, a couple more rebounds, a couple more assists... But I think those two guys really need to step it up. Gordon Hayward especially. like I know everyone's kind of like treating him with like kid gloves kind of thing, like, oh, he's just coming back from injury. and that was brutal. Don't get me wrong. Like that's a horrible thing to happen. and it's amazing that he's come back thus far, but I think we really need to see more production out of him. And Al Horford, too, who was, who was the leader, I'd say, in the playoffs last year with that young group of guys that we were playing with, only averaging 11 points a game, six rebounds, three assists. I think he needs to step it up as well. I think people kind of see Kyrie as the leader of this team, but to me, I think it should, I think it should be Horford who has that like leadership trait. I think Kyrie should be the one running the offense and that type of thing. But on the court, off the court, even Horford should be the one keeping these guys together, keeping them motivated and just keeping morale up really. So we don't like when we lose a game to the Knicks or whatever, that everyone's not like, oh, well, what are we doing here? No, Horford's like, we just got to keep putting in the work guys. It'll come. It'll come.
0: Yeah. I think uh, you mentioned Kyrie kind of leading the offense. And I think, it's the same thing for Horford on defense he was a massive massive part of the defense last year especially in the playoffs being able to make very good defensive plays and be someone that you know people are afraid to take shots against. people don't look for always look for a mismatch on on Al Horford and just take advantage of that because he can play defense against some of those better ball handlers some of those better shooters in the league
1: yeah, let's, let's go back to Jalen Brown for a second, because I'm just realizing this now. It's really, it's the shooting woes, I think, for him, If more than anything. He's only shooting 37% from the field, 26 from free, and a measly 61% from the free-throw line. And I think, I don't remember which one of the games, but one of the games in the last week, free-throws were a big issue for the Celtics. They just didn't make a lot of them, and not including the key ones. So, I think just maybe better shot looks, although they do have the way the Celtics offense is run. They do have a lot of open shots and a lot of good looks and everything. But I think finding where you're comfortable in the court and getting there, getting your shot off, I think that's going to be very important going forward.
0: Yeah, and and talking about the free throws for a second, they literally call it the charity stripe because it's supposed to be a free free points. It's
1: a free throw.
0: It's a free points right there. And if you're not converting on those, that's, that's very, you know, yeah, maybe it's two points at a time, but those will add up very quickly over time. And as well as, I think it's easy to watch like in a game where if you see Jalen Brown is someone who I don't think has completely found himself as a shooter, and I had a couple of games where I was watching this year as well as last year where he was cold, it was evident that he was cold, and he would just keep taking shot attempts like that would heat him up. And I don't think that's always the way to go about it with him if you just keep shooting that maybe something will turn around and sometimes in a game you're going to be cold and I think you need to accept that and Jalen Brown's a guy that I think when he finds his shot he can be a very dangerous part of this offense and he's a very athletic player but it's the nights where he can't find a shot or can't get into a groove that he's taking up looks on the ball that other people could be taking.
1: Yeah and I think I really want to see um, Marcus Morris implemented here too. I think I know Bain started over Hayward last night, and I think uh, Bain started over Jalen Brown one of the nights earlier this week. I can't remember which, though. I'd like to see Morris out there starting. He's a, I think he's a potential Sixth man of the year candidate, so maybe if he's starting, he doesn't become that. But he's averaging something like 13, 14 points off the bench. Um, he is a, he's been sh- shooting pretty well. And um, someone I'd like to see implemented a little more. He does get a lot of time during the games, but maybe see him come into a starting role as we see different looks for um, from Brad Stevens. See who works, who doesn't. And I don't want people to think like we're putting this all on like one person, or like we're putting it all on Jalen Brown or all on Al Horford or something. I think we need to see an overall boost in production. Everyone else on the team needs to give more, and we need to see more out of everyone.
0: Yeah, I think. It, it really can't be pinpointed on one person you you do have to look at it as a team and say they have to play better team basketball but at the same time it is easy to to pick out those some of those people uh maybe that, that seem to be a little bit more to blame but as a whole team if the celtics just they they just need to start playing better basketball
1: um i think that pretty much covers everything we kind of went out on a tangent there for a little bit me especially but Let's flip it over as we do to the other team that shares the garden in the Boston Bruins. Again, not a great week. Uh, some injury news and just a couple of tough losses. So after recording this last Thursday, they lost the following Friday to the Dallas Stars in OT. That was uh, well, a very close game, obviously, if they went to OT. But a um, very scrappy game, if you will. There were a lot of fights, and especially in the third period. I think what started is there was a hit on Bergeron in the second, first or second period, I believe. That actually left him injured, but we'll get to that after. And so, uh, as we as they went throughout the game, there were more and more fights. So, a lot of people spending time in the penalty box. Uh, the Stars put one in two minutes into overtime to end the game. So, it's tough to see. We do get a point out of it, which is nice. And uh, they bounced back nicely the next day, um, playing a tough Arizona team. Uh, and they pulled out a 2-1 win, even surviving a 6-on-4 at the end of the game. So, they were on the penalty kill, and then Arizona pulled their goalie. So, he played up at the end of the game. It was something, I think it might have been a full minute or 30 seconds of surviving that, so that's good to see. Uh, but then Wednesday, so last night, another tough OT loss to the Red Wings, 3-2. to um, Again, we get a point out of it, but we need to see, uh, see more in overtime, it looks like. They have had a couple of overtime losses, if I'm correct now. Um, these two, maybe two more earlier in the year, so something to look forward to, or to look at going forward. Uh, Let's go back to the injuries now. I mentioned Patrice Patrice Bergeron taking a pretty brutal hit in the Dallas Stars game. He has a rib and a sternoclavicular injury that will have him re-evaluated in four weeks. So a month without him. And the same without Chara. We touched on this last time, I remember. Chara was going to be evaluated by the doctor, something about his knee. But it's confirmed now he has a MCL injury. And he will also be reevaluated in four weeks. So that's a whole month without two, your captain and your assistant captain, right?
0: Yeah, and I think injuries really have been the biggest thing for this team this year. We've seen a lot of guys go down. We do have a couple coming back, like Charlie McAvoy has started to come back to practice, but a lot of people still on, you know, non contact, slowly coming back from injury. And I think losing two of your biggest players and two of your biggest leaders for an entire month. It's going to be really hard for this Boston Bruins team and could very well show later in the season if we have this very, very slow stretch and bad stretch because of those two players being gone. But I think that hopefully once they do get back, you'll start to see things clicking a little bit more. And if the Bruins can really fight through this stretch where they're they're missing two of those big pieces, I think that they could be in very good shape once they come back.
1: Yeah, and I I know we touched on this either in the last episode or the episode before this, how um, the second and third lines of the offense haven't really been putting in that work. David Krejci on the second line has been kind of the standout guy there. And I think we've seen a little bit more of that um, this past week, some different guys scoring goals. Um, But now especially with Patrice Bergeron being out, him being on the first line there on offense, uh, we, we need to see an overall boost in production. We need guys to step up so that we're not in too big a hole kind of thing when these guys get back. Now, the Bruins are sitting at 5th in the Eastern Conference at 11, 6, and 4. So, they they did have two overtime losses uh, previous to this week. Kind of some tough games coming up. We play the Penguins uh, tomorrow. Uh, Then we play the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. And then the Maple Leafs on Monday. I know that Montreal is sitting right below us at 6th place and... The Toronto is actually second in the Eastern Conference. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, not having a fantastic year, sitting at the bottom of the uh, Eastern Conference. They still are five hundred though, at eight eight and four. Uh, expect a couple of tough games, and like we said, with the injuries now, these are going to be uh, it's going to be a telling week going forward. I think.
0: Yeah, I think like, like I said, if they can just grind through this stretch where they have those injuries, and hopefully stay have the rest of the team stay healthy for most of the season, then if they can just get through this bit, they they still have a chance to have a, a decent season, I'd say.
1: Yep, and I like uh, I like a lot of the other guys on the team. I believe they'll step up and we'll see um, some exciting hockey this week with some big games. Now, uh, it was a bye week, but we'll still talk about the Patriots. A couple of things coming out of there. We can talk about maybe what to, we can expect going forward. Um, Tom Brady appeared on the injury list on Wednesday, so yesterday for the first time this season. Uh, he was limited in practice with a knee injury, but... From what I read and what I saw, it, he's completely expected to play against the Jets on Sunday, and I don't see why he wouldn't. Just yeah. a precautionary thing in my mind.
0: It's one of those things where you just have a guy who, who seems completely healthy, that he shows up on the injury list one time, and, and it's kind of nothing. All the other, the, the other team knows he's going to play, he knows he's going to play. It's one of those things, like you said,
1: they do just to be safe about it. Some other people appearing on the injury list, Gronk with uh, ankle and back injuries. He was also limited on Wednesday, as was Sonny Michel with the knee injury. Now, Sonny Michel played two weeks ago versus that, or in that disappointing loss versus the Titans, so I would expect to see him on uh, Sunday against the Jets. Gronk, on the other hand, he hasn't played in almost a month now, his last appearance coming October 29th uh, when we beat the Bills. I think it was expected that he would be back on Sunday, but I, s- I haven't heard anything after that, so I guess we'll just kind of see. Gronk, a guy who's been plagued with injuries throughout his career, so I don't think he's necessarily uh, super important to this offense. We can't be successful without him, but um, a guy that's good to have there. And um, But I think more importantly, we want to see him healthy going forward and for a playoff run, mostly.
0: Yeah, I think he. I mean, he's a massive target, and I think it's just his presence is felt on the field. You'll see if he's in the game, he's getting double-covered, Almost every single play. So that's opening up and freeing up opportunities for guys like Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, who haven't seen as much success this year just because of how covered they've been. And when you have someone like Dwayne Allen at the tight end position, not as big a name, not as big a threat, isn't being targeted that much. So I think merely Gronk's presence and if he can be back, and even if that means him taking half the snaps that he normally would, to have him in the game. For part of it and also just keeping him healthy is gonna be a massive part moving forward because i think that he is a very useful piece for this team to have
1: yes yeah, so uh i'm looking for the patriots to kind of blow the jets away this friday gain some confidence going back tom brady is 23 and 5 in his career after a bye week that is including the playoffs so when they get that first round by um, so look for them to come out blow the jets out of the water and then pave a path straight to the playoffs.
0: I think looking against this weaker Jets team. It's just, like you said, a game to kind of get some confidence back, get back in the swing of things, coming off that tough loss against the Tennessee Titans. And for the rest of the season, I think we play every team, every other team in the East. Play New York this week. We play the Dolphins in Week 14, the Bills in Week 16, and then the Jets again in Week 17. And we all know how bad this division is. They should be able to get some very easy wins out of this. I look forward with only a couple more difficult games coming through the rest of the season. So I'd say if the Patriots can either win out or maybe drop one more game, they'd be in pretty good position for the playoffs. We are the other biggest team out there is the Chiefs, who they've just been playing incredible football. And preferably if they could drop a game or two, that would be helpful for us in terms of seeding, getting that you know number one seed, getting a bye week, all that stuff. Getting
1: home field advantage, all the stuff we normally have. But the Chiefs, uh, I think it would be injustice to us and injustice to the entire National Football League if we did not mention the Monday night game that just happened against the Rams and Chiefs, probably the game of the season. Oh, by far the game of the season. Let's be honest. Thus far and probably throughout the rest of the season, I can't see a more exciting one. Uh, When you score 105 points in a game, uh, it's hard to top that. Yeah, combining for almost 1,000 yards between the two
0: quarterbacks and just... Kind of a lack of defense by both teams when you both let in more than fifty, but that's I'd say one of the most exciting games I've watched in my life and probably the game of the season and one of the better games of all time that's ever been played.
1: Yeah, I know it was tough. I was watching the game and well, I was kinda watching the game, kinda doing other stuff at the same time, you know, you just have Monday night football on or whatever. But I remember it was, it was getting late, so I was like, okay, like the game's going to be over now. I'm going to go to bed soon, so I was doing work. this. Like They would score, and it would be like 43 to 30-something or whatever. I'd be like, oh, the game's going to look over. 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I'm like, there's still a quarter of football to play, and they're up over 80 points scored already. And they continued right till the end.
0: Yeah, and like we said, one of the most exciting games and uh, just amazing and very scary as— as a fan of the Patriots to watch. Yeah, I wanted those.
1: to bring that back. So after seeing this, I think a lot, like, all of the other teams in the NFL are like, wow, like, we need to pay attention. I think maybe with the um, the exception of the Saints, who have also been there on a 9 or 10 game win streak right now. Um, let's ask the big question. Are you confident that come playoff time, the Patriots can beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship if it comes down to that? and then beat either the Saints or most likely the Rams.
0: I think by far this is going to be one of the most difficult roads to the Super Bowl that the Patriots will see and have seen. I know that in the past we've had a lot of easier teams. The AFC not always being regarded as, as the best division or whatever they have to say about it. But I think beating the Chiefs, we, we did beat them in the regular season. We, we have beat them and what we'd have going for us is playoff experience i think and then you take a lot of those guys like Patrick Mahomes who first year no no playoff experience there he did have
1: 5 turnovers in the in the monday night game three interceptions and he fumbled the ball twice so that's against one of the best defenses in the league granted it's true which we definitely don't have yet we're getting hopefully we're getting there. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> uh
0: so the chiefs i think if it came down to it that game i'd feel a little bit better about but playing just watching how the Saints and Rams have played football this year, I'd be very nervous. that There wouldn't be a game where I'd walk and say, we, we have a very good chance. It's, whereas, you know, the Falcons a couple of years ago, I felt a little bit better. Granted, that game wasn't very good for the first three quarters for us. But this is one where it'd be cool to see the Patriots go to the Super Bowl, but I would not have as much confidence as I have in the past in their abilities to bring it home.
1: Definitely a tough road ahead. We'll just have to see. I think with this easier schedule for us coming up, like I said, gain some confidence, get on a roll. Maybe we enter the playoffs on a five, six. How many weeks are left? Do we have six game win streak? I think is the most we could have. So if we enter that with some confidence, if we get that first round by, and then we probably will match up with the Steelers or something like we usually do, and then play the Chiefs. I think we can we can get the momentum going and. I don't know if it'll come down to like the offensive power or the better defense or whatever. I think overall, New England has some of the most playoff experience, so hopefully we can put that to use. In recent years, for sure. Again, long way off. we got to wait till February to see all that play out. But for now, we will keep an eye this Sunday, 1 p.m. against the Jets. And I think that is going to do it for us.
0: I have one more thing to add, though, and I brought it up for the Chiefs, so I feel like I kind of have to bring it up also for the Rams, is a team with a lack of playoff experience in recent years. They did make it to the playoffs last year, I believe, but we're out the first round. And, you know, people like Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, who haven't been around for so long to see that playoff experience, I think it will be interesting. They have a very young coach, but... If anything, that that's all we got going for us. And then the Saints, they have the playoff experience. They have players who've done it before and Drew Brees and their coaching. So it's gonna be a very interesting road, but for now we just gotta focus on, you know, the six
1: weeks of regular regular season we have left. Well said, and something to look forward to in the coming months. Now that is going to do it for us. If you did enjoy, please leave a rating. Uh, we do have people listening every week, we can see the numbers and everything, so you guys are out there, get back to uh, get back to us with comments, suggestions, really anything, we really want to engage with you guys, know what we can do better, uh, know what you guys like, know what you guys don't like, so uh, yeah, leave us a rating. Also, our Twitter is at Brady Bros Boston, follow us on there, that is probably the easiest way to uh, engage with us, get in contact, see, uh, keep up to date, I tried it, Tweet out most of the important stuff or retweet from the big like um, the four teams and everything. So trying to uh, keep the feed on there a um, just a great news source for Boston sports.
0: And lastly, if you would like to sponsor the show, send us an email at Brady Bros at gmail.com. We are willing to you know work with you, get an offer, something that that works out for both of us, and uh, help support the show, just kind of increase the quality of it a little bit more, and and help uh, help get this out to more people. So that would be appreciated at BradyBrosBoston at gmail.com for the email. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back next week with another episode.
1: See ya!